0: We'll mm-hmm.
1: Welcome to the One Within All to another episode of Interverse Podcast. I'm your host, Chance, and today we are diving back into the deep depths of the cosmic womb and helping ourselves and hopefully our friends and family with some of the information that we are going to pick up today regarding the most sacred aspect of our existence here, probably. It's said in magical practice that The initiation or the beginning of any particular working is the most significant and important thing. And I would say that there's not much more magical than actual birth of a human being, an entire infinity encased in a body. So, you know, this idea of early life birth, uh, getting it right. It's not that you're doomed if you don't. But it's going to be a lot better if you do <laughs> or easier, perhaps, uh, you know, get past certain challenges at the onset instead of seeing them show up later. And what I mean by that is like when I do tuning process for people, I run into occasionally stuff going back from one year old, two year old. I actually had a client this week who the root of her issues that she was trying to overcome and she had no idea <laughs> stemmed from when she was about one years old, like give or take and her mother having postpartum depression extremely bad actually affected her ability to feel like she deserved nurturing and care and to receive good things so yeah <laughs> like it goes our 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 life story starts there and the beliefs that we set in that age and the things that happen to our body very very important especially because they're hard to go back and access to change them you maybe A lot of people never do or realize what went down. So all of that's on the table. I haven't even introduced the guest yet. Sorry. This is Elise from familyfungi.net. We recently had her great husband, James, on to talk about the family fungi business. But Elise is also in the business of birthkeeping, performing this sacred role outside of the uh, midwife system, which although that word Itself isn't a problem, it's really actually at this point legally connected into the framework of the medical mafia that we know way too much about to trust <laughs> so uh this is really really exciting. We met at least night at the Bear Taria festival. We had a great time uh I was treated to great hospitality with her and James and also typical new herbs, Kyle and serena uh and anyway, while we were there, we got to talking and had many, many great interactions with her extremely healthy young boys. And I'm really excited to be bringing this conversation on, I like kind of synchronistically the 40th interverse episode of 2022. And as you may know, 40 weeks in the womb, that's a pregnancy cycle. So (laughs) there's all kinds of like magic just lining up it automatically for this. Can't wait to get into it. At least thank you for sitting through that long-winded intro. Welcome to Interverse. It's really great to have you.
0: Oh, I'm so happy to be here. You are quite poetic, Chance, and I appreciate it.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I just spitball, (laughs) (laughs) And I've been, I realized today, like, I've done a lot of these, so uh, it's like muscle memory. Anyway, tell us, tell us about yourself, Elise, and maybe walk us to the path of like, You know, probably raised in a similar way to many Americans. And then now this whole new expanded what's old is new, (laughs) bringing the ancient wisdom back to the uh, most important process of a lifetime. Yeah. Walk us through your story to this point.
0: Yeah. So I grew up in Louisiana, have been in the same city, town since I was born. Um, Man. Grew up probably like most other people. Went to preschool, kindergarten, always private Catholic. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, and then did dance and soccer and volleyball. Was rushed through life. That's how. Um, that's how I see it. Is was never really allowed to be a child, and was rushed through to these different. Uh, Places where you're supposed to send your kids. Uh, there's a process that you go through. You give birth in a hospital and then you have your child. You get a nanny or a daycare. You send them off so that you can go back to work as a mother, um, as a two-income household. So you can afford all the cool toys and games for the adults as well as the children. Uh, and then switched around in high school, got to college and got into the festival community. So I was a hula hooper. I still am a hula hooper. I I quite enjoy it. That's Um, how I
1: found my way here too.
0: Always, dude, always. It's always someone that,
1: uh, festivals.
0: Yeah. Like you go to festivals and then you do these psychedelics and, uh, which are in my opinion, I I say supposed to, but you use them to go inside of yourself. That's why they're called medicines. And so you do these things in a high energy intensity area and you don't really even know what's going on. You just kind of feel good. Uh, And then I joke, um, then you go to India or something like that. And you're like, I got to meditate. Like there's there's got to be something else. Uh, so that's pretty like, that's almost exactly how it happened, except we went to Nepal instead of India.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I, I totally relate to your story and it's like you have some of those deep inner world experiences and then all the next thing, you know, and maybe this isn't for everybody, but for me, it was like, how do I stay connected to this without, you know, full time? How do I make sure I'd ever forget? Because every time I would, dip my toes in that sort of infinite well of source, it would always feel like, oh, how did I forget about this? How did yeah. I forget that I'm, that I am this, I have this connection. And then, you know, you do more things, life goes on, your vibration kind of dips and it peaks and troughs and you forget again. And then when you come back around and dip your toes in again, you're like, whoa, I can't believe I forgot that
0: oh, everything it, is everything. Yeah, and I'm so everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually funny because I had these crazy prophetic experiences at festivals where the last ones that I went to, I actually went blind. Like I couldn't see. And I was like, oh, everyone else was like, oh my God, Elise, what's going on? And I knew it. I knew it because the medicine had spoken to me and was pretty much saying, how dare you do these things? How dare you use me in this way? And I completely jumped out. I was shook to my core and ended up doing yoga teacher training and then, uh, was teaching at a yoga class here in my hometown. Um, and then one of my friends called me and told me that she was thinking about becoming pregnant or she was pregnant and really wanted a doula. And I had never, ever, ever heard of the term doula before. And I was asking her about it. And um, we would joke that she's my Gemini sister. I'm a Gemini and she was a Gemini. She is a Gemini. So we were Gemini twins together. And she was telling me how she wanted me to be her doula, just a friend there to help her and uh, just talk, talk with her throughout the process. So I started looking into doula certifications and I found this, program called the matrona program led by wapio this woman this elder midwife elder wapio and i just i don't know how i thought god's grace i found this program this portal this transmission download because i had never heard of a doula and then i find the matrona program um And I'm looking through doulas in my area and I found one in new Orleans and she had graduated from the Matrona program. And she was like, Oh, you're going to love it. This woman, this is our first conversation. She didn't even know me. Oh, you're going to love it. If you found the program and synchronously found me, you're meant for this. So go for it. And I was like, you know, I have yoga under my belt. I have, uh, going to Nepal under my belt. I have nutrition kind of under my belt. I just like to eat. I just like to eat. So I make sure the things that I eat are good for me. Um, And so I wanted this for some reason. I felt called to it. And so James and I took a trip up to Georgia and that's where this class was held. And it was maybe four days but what I learned there completely changed my life. And uh, she was speaking of the physiology of birth and how birth isn't wrong. It's not a medical malfunction, like it's not something that needs to be taken.
1: Wait, it's not a medical emergency.
0: No, I'm pretty it's pretty sure not. it's classified
1: that way in standard medical <laughs> operating procedure.
0: It is. Until so a funny thing is that my sister is a NICU nurse, so she works in the neonatal ICUs in hospitals. She started out in New Orleans and is a travel nurse, and is now in Beverly Hills in California. And uh, so, my questions about birth at first went through her, and I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm so confused." why do you cut the umbilical cord that I'm seeing things that you don't have to cut the cord. Why do you cut it? I'm, I'm just trying to learn. And she told me, Oh, it's because, um, you have to get the baby to breathe. If you don't cut it right away, then the child's lungs won't develop fully and they have to take a screaming first breath.
1: That's like literally (laughs) superstition <gasps> it's no different than like some pitcher in a major league baseball that has to wear his cap at a perfect degree angle and only take three sips from his water bottle and all these different you know like all these things have to be done so that the game will go right yeah. <laughs> so you have to have a screaming first breath or your lungs won't work that seems yeah. like a pretty major flaw in our design
0: <laughs> they won't develop and it,
1: it <laughs> that's, so, not, that's literally superstition you get me like yeah it's, it's insane
0: it's built off of absolute nonsense it's built off of materialistic let me cut it open let me figure it out rather than allowing the process to unfold how it's supposed to which is however it does whatever that means for the woman birthing and so I'm in this program and uh I she's just speaking of the esoteric nature of birth and I'm coming into this thinking that I'm going to learn like oh this is active labor this is early labor like um uh, more medical things and it wasn't that at all it was holy spiritual and I was all about it because I had just come from this huge rush of festival realm, yoga. I actually went to college and studied sociology because you didn't have to take any math for it. And I was all about no math. And I was just very good at it because you're just reading people and trying to figure out uh, like you're going into people's traumas and trying to make them feel better. That's how I view sociology. Like you're just picking and poking at people trying to get into the nitty gritty of their brain. Um, And so going to this uh, doula program is at the end, she gave us our certifications and she said, here is your sheet of paper. You just paid me to give you a sheet of paper when you could have learned this by yourself. So you can take this sheet of paper and you can go off and create your own sheet of paper if you want. But you have to further your study and you have to realize that birth is absolutely miraculous. Birth is a gift given to us by God and through God and through you as that being in portal. And um, she actually would take her students to Peru to do ayahuasca because she views birth. Her whole paradigm is birth is an altered state of consciousness. And so we learned about the different brain waves that a woman goes through and how she goes through the spirit realm to go and get her child. Uh, so, in my eyes, and from what I've reflected off of the Matrona program, the whole process of conception, pregnancy, labor, birth, postpartum, it's all a part of the initiation. It's all a part of the rite of passion passage to leaving the maiden and becoming the mother. Um and it can be looked at as wholly spiritual. And there are women that come to me that are curious about this spiritual aspect of birth, but then they still hold on to a lot of fears and they're like, oh, I get it, but I'm just gonna go to a hospital. If you've had a birth at a hospital, it's your choice. And that's all you need. Like, and that's the thing is that women are asking other women for advice. And it's like, I can give you what, what I do and what I would do. But what do you want to do? Because I was actually pregnant at the same time as another woman that I knew. And I, um, our son, Emmanuel, that was just born six months ago. He'll be six months tomorrow on the 10th. Uh, he, I didn't even take a pregnancy test with him because I was like, oh, you know, oh, I feel like I I totally feel like I'm pregnant right now because I knew the month before I was like, man, I'm going to get pregnant. I just know I'm going to get pregnant. And I did. And I was in this doubting stage of, am I? I don't know. I don't know. And then my friend gave me a pregnancy test. She's like, here, just end your worry, end your doubt, do it. And I was like, man, this is so materialistic. Why can't I just trust the creator?
1: Yeah, It's a so hardcore to the level that you're describing. Like, no, not even a pregnant pregnancy test needed. I'll just, <laughs> my body knows I can trust it.
0: I mean, if I'm wrong, I'll find out. And if I'm right, I'll find out. Like, and that's the. And like
1: doing what would be good for the early stages of pregnancy, even if you realize later you weren't. It's not like any of that was bad for you. That's good for you anyway.
0: James would always say, if you think you're pregnant, what would you change? And I would be like, maybe drink less coffee. I don't know. Like, and he was like, all right, then drink less coffee. And I was like, mm, I'm going to stick with the coffee. And I stuck <laughs> with the coffee until I for i didn't want any cat like at some point i just didn't want any caffeine i couldn't even drink tea for i i don't know what it was and so the crazy cravings that women get when they're pregnant are just their child communicating with them and it's uh like if you're craving a whole bunch of chocolate you probably need some magnesium and so just you should always be taking your minerals and you should be supplementing with your food and if You can't do it with your food, with actual supplements. Um, So, yeah, there's I mean, if you live your life in a healthy way, there shouldn't be anything that you have to change whenever you become pregnant. And people are like, oh, well, you shouldn't lift heavy things. I'm like, you should not become a potato on a couch. You should do things, obviously. uh, I mean, I don't know if you can lift a couch and help someone move, lift a couch and help someone move. If you can't then don't it is as simple as that the like you shouldn't eat shellfish I'm like you're not gonna tell me what I can't can't eat I eat sushi and I would eat raw fish throughout my whole pregnancy because you can get so many fatty fats from them and omegas and it's delicious and if my body's telling me I need something I don't know why I wouldn't listen because someone else told me that it's bad for me whenever they don't know. And they base, uh, hospitals base their um, opinions on birth off of the average, the average American. And I, we are not the average.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, the average is a pretty low common denominator in terms of health. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. So, Okay. You brought up a lot of good things. I took some notes. And what I want to talk about now is maybe a merger of two particular topics, which would be like, you said the best answer of how to give birth is how do you want to? You know, that is a pretty, that's a pretty awesome answer because you're seemingly like just coming back and again, over and over to the inner knowing, the intuition. And it seems like if somebody could learn to trust their inner knowing through a process as monumental as birth, it could help them for the rest of their life actually know how to talk to their intuition. Because I I wholeheartedly believe our body knows everything that's knowable. And the only thing keeping us from psychic abilities, extrasensory abilities, whatever you want to call it, the Akashic record, which is the ether, <laughs> life, mm-hmm. the life force energy that is one in all cosmos that our bodies are a vessel for and made out of. So if your body is the all (laughs) and not separate from it in any way, then it knows everything that could be known in the record of spirit. So it's like, how do we develop a language to talk to our body? And that's the difference between the inner knowing and not knowing. So anyway, (laughs) all that being said, one of the reasons why somebody might still pick, I'm going to go to the hospital And that would be their choice is because they've been boogeymaned out with all the possible things that can go wrong, which is what middlemen and vampires and controllers always do. You know, people that want to manage you in some way or take some take some off the top from you. They usually want to set up that dynamic by getting you scared that without the expert, which is them, you're going to hell or something bad will happen to your baby or. You won't be safe or whatever. It's always the same. The whole system is like one big middle management hell in terms of how society has chosen to structure itself. And so I want to I want to weave together the topic of the way that you would do it or want to do it is the best way. But also like. Why birth is not the scary medical emergency. Um you know more more disputation of that concept and what is you know like how radically safe is birth? You know,
0: yes. So I, whenever I took my certification, all of the women there had had home births. A couple have had 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 births in the hospital and were absolutely traumatized from them, and that's why they were taking this uh, program. So I come into birth only hearing good stories only hearing it was so amazing i did it at home my husband was there and we had a midwife or we didn't have a midwife and um and so only looking at the good the true and the beautiful of birth is the way to do it and people are like oh but what if i'm like i don't know what if what if you could die right now what if
1: look i I actually i'm going to interject a what if right now (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, if you're going to hold on to this vision of the good, true and beautiful, these are going to come at you. Right. And so this is one. My sister is pregnant right now, actually. It'll be my first nephew or niece. It's going to be a nephew. Really excited about that. And I know she's like open to the idea of home birth. But whenever it gets talked about, this family lore comes up of, well, you know, your cousin, your cousin's wife tried to have an at-home birth and the doula somehow messed up or didn't take them to the hospital when they should and the baby died and your cousin's wife almost died. And they just hammer that story. (laughs) Every time anybody talks about anything alternative birth or home birth, it's like, well, you know, your cousin's wife or this or that. And it is a true story, but like, how do we, how do I, (laughs) how do I respond to that in a way that brings the fear level back down and? You know, to continue, I know that I've hit you with three questions now, but like, all this is kind of one thing.
0: Okay. So I'm going to start off with a little story. Uh, Whenever I was pregnant with our first son, Ja, I had gone to the hospital and I was going to do it at a natural birthing center. And I got the ultrasounds and they could never. Across the board, whenever women get ultrasounds, they're like, oh, my baby was just squirming away. They didn't even they were running away from the wand. And I'm like, yeah, they don't want the like they don't want the radiation. They don't want whatever vibration this ultrasound is putting on them. And so they could never get a good picture of Jha's heart or his head. So they were like, oh, gosh, you know, you're going to have to get another one. He's kind of low weight. What like we can't even see his heart or his head. Sometimes babies are born without skulls. And I'm like. <laughs> what is? you could this? be
1: a ghoul.
0: I'm like, what are you even talking about? And so I go in to see the doc, like the the midwife, because it was a natural birthing center. These are nurse midwives, and I just start crying. And she was like, "Oh, you're pregnant." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm pregnant, but I don't want to be here. I know that I can do this. I don't want to be here." And she was so sweet. She's like, "Then leave. You can do it." I see, I see videos of women giving birth in a tiny house. Like you can do it. And I was like, yeah, I can do it. And uh, it just, and James is, you have like having a supportive partner is a 100. He was like, whatever you want to do. Like I, I trust you. So what do you want to do? And I was like, i want to have a home birth. I know I can do it. I know I can do it. And so I tell my parents, they are absolutely appalled. My sister who works in the NICU is like, you don't even know what I've seen. You're going to kill your baby. You are going to kill your baby. And then my parents got their friends who were a paramedic and a labor and delivery doctor. They got them to talk to me and tell me horror stories, The like, I, this,
1: this, when you see this as the big pattern that in this story you're describing, society is psychotic.
0: They love, the, it feels good to fear and like, oh, if something goes wrong, because it's a savior complex, like I got to save you from yourself because you're going to die. And if you die, what am I? It's extremely narcissistic.
1: It is the Messiah. They're the messiah you by they're your savior and your body and instincts and everything natural about you is base and evil and wrong. And so they need to save you yes. with their religion, which is the medical system. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're so right.
0: Yeah. And so I ju- they were telling like the I went to a house and this woman was trying to have a home birth and she was about to die and her baby was about to die and you don't even know what I've seen in the hospital. And, and I was beside myself with the whole thing. I just yelled, I just screamed and yelled at everyone and walked away pretty much. And uh, James was like, why didn't you tell them something? I was like, what, am I supposed to tell them that I meditate and I've sat with medicines and I've heard the voice of God telling me everything's going to be okay, no matter what, like how do you convey that to people who sit so low in their minds? And I wish, I wish they could see it. Like, I wish I had the words to explain this, but it has to come from within. And everyone ended up feeling really bad after that whole scenario because I stuck with it. I was like, I'm getting it. Why? I don't care.
1: I love this. You're standing in your jurisdiction with the creator rather than anything else.
0: Rather than
1: only with the aspect that is true and the all and infinite. (laughs) I love this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, while I was pregnant with Jai, I ended up having three dreams that I bled out and died and I would have these dreams and I would talk to James about it. And, uh, I had a midwife for Jaw's birth and she was a state medical home birth midwife. And um yeah, so I did I did the tests and the blood work and the checkups and um I did all that with my pregnancy with Ja. Uh but ultimately so I would talk to her about these dreams and she would be like, Well, how do you feel about them? And I would say, I don't know. I mean, I just remember giving birth loving my baby so much being enveloped in love. And then I would see blood and everything would go black. And I just would have to pray and send out good vibes, vibrations to the creator. Like um, I always say it's going to work out however it's supposed to work out. And you can, and that's beautiful because no matter the ending, that's exactly how it was supposed to be. Owen Benjamin said, your guns can't save you. Only God can save you. The hospital can't save you. Only God can save you.
1: What I see too is uh, that we are, (laughs) how I I understand our relationship to, to fear and manifestation is like, if you don't trust life or source or the, the great spirit and you perpetually hold on to fear about something that if this happens things won't be okay then the lesson that you need if everything here is about learning to trust ourselves and the higher force that we are also a manifestation of then you're gonna get your fear <laughs> handed to you in in an experience of it in one way or another until you learn to accept that even if this or even with this things are still perfect and beautiful (laughs) and it's all good and true. So with the dream version of that, it's like you're getting the offer of like, you know, do you want to face this experience that you're afraid if it happened, things wouldn't be okay. And then you're like, I'm facing this experience and I know it's going to be okay no matter what. And so you don't need the experience in the real world, but it's almost like that type of dream work. There's a way of looking at it as banishing you know banishing fear and banishing the the need to go through that particular type of tribulation because you um have enough trust and faith that even with that you'd be fine and everything would be fine everything would be perfect so does that all make sense like you're yes And like a training and, dream well,
0: and also uh the biggest thing you hear with what your family says and what everyone says is what if you die and my answer is you have to die. You have to die to go into this portal. How are you going to go into the spirit realm and go get your baby and meet God if you're so connected to your meat suit? How are you going to leave behind the maiden and trans, transmute into the mother? If, so like my, dual, my birth working thing is called the great mother birth works because you become the great mother. And some people, I don't want to say can't, like some people just can't let go. And through their trying to hold on so tight to make it perfect and make it something, it's as if it all crumbles in their hands. Yeah, it's
1: actually uh, a problem with yin, energy. If all you can do is focus, hold on, grasp, strive, and try, then you can't relax, forget, let go, accept. Mm -hmm. I mean, accept means more than one thing. It means accepting like it is what it is and that's fine. But it's also like I accept and something is handed to you. (laughs) And the yin is the receptive. And I mean, this is an issue for males and females, but especially in a left brain society, even many females have a problem with their yin energy and are too yang oriented which is a left yeah. brain. And and anyway, so like what you're describing is that it is necessary to have that balance between the receptive and the projective forces, the trying and the accepting, you know, the yin and the yang.
0: Yes. I remember uh, telling my midwife whenever I was parking with Giles, like, you know, I have all these feelings inside and I just hope like I'll birth will just bust me open and I'll deal with him. Then she was like, you better get your shit straight before you give birth because it will come out. Your fears will come out. Your doubts will come out. All of these things are going to come, come. Just forth. like
1: a psychedelic experience. Just like a
0: psychedelic experience. It's a, it's an altered state of consciousness. And that's why. Birth in a hospital doesn't work. And I'm just going to say it. It doesn't work because you can't get there in yourself. You have bright lights and people coming to pull you out of yourself every 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Are you okay? Can you do anything? Can, you, can I? Can I? You can't eat. Okay. So I'm going to just give you a rundown of what happens in a hospital.
1: You, yes. Basically, just imagine being on psilocybin mushrooms as. A substitute for giving birth, but like all the things that happen in the hospital room when birth is happening, but you're on mushrooms instead of giving birth. It would suck. (laughs) That would really (laughs) hurt you. That'd be a bad trip.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so you get checked in, you get triaged. They put an IV in you just in case, just in case you need it. So, they put an IV in you. They tell you pretty much what they're going to do to you. You can give them a birth plan. That's great give them a birth plan. If they're going to, the nurses switch in and out, depending on my birth with jaw was like three days long. It was so long. It was very intense. And so, but that wouldn't happen in hospital. They would just emergency C-section you and have you on your way. So you have doctors switching in and out, nurses switching in and out. So they're just trying to get a file on you. And obviously you go where you've been getting your checkups. So, you know, you might get, If you go to a birth center, you might get the midwife that you've been seeing through your whole birth, or you might have to get another one. Um, And then your doctor might not be there. It just depends if he's there by the time you get there. Um, So then you get put in a room and you get strapped with monitors and. uh, Which makes mobility very limited and birth is all about movement. You gotta, you can't just sit inside. Your Life is all about movement. You can't just sit inside and, um, I almost feel like it's too heavy, like being, moving, opening up, allowing you yourself to flow. You, this life is about, you have to flow like be like water, my friend. That's, that's it. Um, and then if you don't progress a half of a centimeter, Every 20 to 30 minutes, you're not progressing at all. And so then they'll start, well, you need to do this. You need to do that. You can't. Oh, you're not allowed to
1: eat. You're doing it wrong.
0: (laughs) You're doing it wrong. Yeah. Like you can't eat and I don't, um, that's, you can't eat
1: because you
0: might have to get an emergency C-section. So they're prepping you the whole time for just in case something happens, you got to get a C-section. So you can't eat, you can have ice chips, you can't really drink a lot. And imagine being in such a high intensity state of being and you feel low on energy. There's no way you could progress. There's no way you could get inside of yourself if you're just wholly uncomfortable and sleepy and tired and low on energy. It's not happening. And so you don't progress, they give you Pitocin and then Pitocin contractions are different than actual contractions because they're only like medicalized contractions and you don't get all the hormones that come with being in labor and having natural contractions. And so they're way more painful. Um, And then usually because of that, women get the epidural. Like it is so funny. Whenever I was going through my contractions with jaw, my first birth i was like waiting for someone to tell me that something was wrong because i was like oh we got i gotta go get an epidural like no way i can do this and that's so funny like and nothing was wrong everything was fine everyone just looked at me and was like you're doing great and i'd be like okay cool like i would just meditate and someone would tap me and i'd be like oh Okay, I, everything's fine like and I I understand why women get the epidural because it's very intense. You get these surges, these rushes of energy, and if you don't know how to handle it, you can tense up and it feels painful. And so they're like eh. and not many people like to touch the places of pain, which I get. It's hard, but it's beautiful. The other side of pain is love. Like you got to do it. That's what this life is.
1: Yeah, I want to add to that point, which is I say this all the time, but it was one of the one of those things that I can't believe no anybody, you know, never handed me a manual on how to drive a human body before and I had to figure this one out. But that pain is worse, it's worsened by ignoring because it's a message from the body back to the thing that the body knows everything and it's trying to communicate with you. So if you put your attention and awareness on the pain signal. The other side of it is love. The other mm-hmm. side of it is it feels better. <laughs> you yeah. know, love makes, makes it feel better. Your attention is love. They're like the same thing. So with the whole idea of numbing out for the birth process, that's like exactly what you're saying. It's a way of taking them away from going inside themselves. Whereas if you have your full attention, Internally and on the process and where the energy is asking for your attention, it makes sense that it wouldn't even be painful to the same degree or even unpleasant.
0: Yeah. Why should it be? Yeah. And it's, it, when you get to that place, it cannot be painful at all. It just is the beautiful expansion of spirit. And whenever that gets numbed out in a hospital, it then becomes just confusion for everyone involved like the doctors and the nurses are just trying to get something out of you and like I remember this one woman she messaged me and she was like oh they want me to get this was not like a client not she was just like a friend of a friend knew what I she knows what I do and she messaged me because I'm like I can't help it people are pregnant and I'm like oh I love you. Let me let me love you. Let me like because I I went through it and I see the power that women hold. And I'm like, you have to do it. You have to know who you are and what you are. And I had to step back from birth work because people aren't me. They don't want the same things I want. And that's totally fine. I just got way too attached and wanted women to experience this. Um, and so can this I woman, you, can I ask yeah. you
1: another question? Of course. Cause we, we have like 20 minutes in the first hour and I'm, there's certain things I want to get in. You know, I feel like as we're going here, we could easily talk for four hours, but yeah, <laughs> okay. there's so many aspects to this. But my question is on the topic of female psychology, you know, I, I tend to see an imbalanced feminization as tendency towards victim consciousness, right? And the currency of victim consciousness, this is not obviously an attack against female human beings. Men and women have masculine and feminine yin and yang, and an over-feminized imbalance in either of the genders can lead to like a highly victimized mentality. So do you think that part of why women have played along with this uh, hospital birth thing for so long and, and even before there were hospitals as we know them, the, uh you know, the priests were doing this type of thing. It's wild. You know, you got the white robes bringing it in and the black robes taking you out of the world. But <laughs> my question being like this narrative, that birth is dangerous, scary, painful, difficult. You'll never understand men how hard this is for us. You know, have they mistaken? Have many women, maybe unconsciously over the generations mistaken the power of the true power of the birth process with the victim currency of making it into some sort of martyrdom?
0: I'm so happy you brought this up because yes, 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 yes. If you are pregnant or you want to be pregnant or you're about to give birth, you need to follow the free birth society. I'm not affiliated with these people at all. I just love them so much. The free birth society, And Yolanda Norris Clark. So Yolanda just had her ninth birth and it was a completely orgasmic birth. No pain at all. And someone asked her, um, how did you do it? And she said, I let go of the unconscious desire to be a victim. And that. Boom. Dude. It got me because I was pregnant with uh, Emmanuel at the time and it got me. I was like, oh, that's it. Because I've been seeing the victim consciousness and seeing how like oh, I got to like women. I got to take care of all these kids and you don't understand. You get to like the husband. I mean, in our family, we both work from home. I mostly take care of the children because James does things that I can't do. Like he is in the lab. They can't really go in the lab. He does things, builds things for us. Like Ja helps to an extent, but then like I'm playing with the kids all day. I'm, I'm doing that. So that's how it is in our home. And a lot of the times I feel like roles, traditional roles like that. And even when the mother comes home from work and she deals with the kids and the father, I don't know. I feel like it can be looked at as a burden. And it is something so freeing. Whenever you start thinking that your life and what you're going through is a burden, just say to yourself, I'm in a victim mentality. How can I see the... It's an invitation to see gratitude in my life right now. It's an invitation to see all of the good in my life. And so...
1: Grabbler or gratitude.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so whenever when like, oh, there's... You going into the hospital and it takes uh, self-responsibility, like you going into the hospital and every, like if women are listening to this and they've had birth trauma, I am so sorry. And I have witnessed the pain of that. And it is absolutely awful, but just know there is redemption. But first you need to take into account that it is your fault. You asked for it At so, on some level. You willingly wanted this to happen. And that's a really hard pill to swallow for a lot of people because yeah, you get absolutely raped in a hospital. It's awful. There's just fingers going inside of you all the time. And, and some people might not have that. I'm sorry. Some people might not. Some people have probably had wonderful hospital births. And I am so happy for you to have experienced that in that setting. From what I have witnessed and been part of, like I don't, I don't do hospital births because I can't take it. It's like a war zone in there. You have to, like, you your dual advocates for you in the hospital. I'm like, I'm not trying to advocate for you. I'm trying to get on the
1: courtroom. You know, my criminal is giving birth some kind of sin because (laughs) I'm (laughs) right.
0: Yeah. And uh, what a birth keeper does is they just hold space, like you're trip sitting for however long. Like you're just holding space, bringing water, being like, you got it. Like, oh, yeah, you're doing it. Like, go, like you take care of everything else so that the woman can go inside and use her will and spirit to bring this child forth. And it is so, so beautiful. Like,
1: uh, as the birth keeper, do you see, do you have experiences like people report whenever they sit with somebody who's dying and they have like shared mystical consciousness experiences? Is that possible on the birth side too?
0: Yes. I feel like it has, it has to happen that way. Like you have to be in the vibrational space with the birthing woman. Like I had this one, um, it's almost
1: like you're the birth witness. Rather than keeper. I mean, you're like keeping the vibe in a good place, but I'm sorry. Continue.
0: No, that's it's you're the witness. And whenever you can be the witness with the woman who is also the witness, Um, I had this one woman I was helping and she had a cramp in her leg. And before she could even say it, my hand was on the cramp massaging it. And I, it's so funny, like her husband, I was actually pregnant with Ja at the time. And so her husband was doing all, she wanted counter pressure on her back and she wanted different things. And her husband was doing that. And I was just holding her hands, looking into her. It was like an open eye meditation for four hours. And that's what it was. That was the whole birth. And, um, That's it. It's so beautiful when you let it be beautiful. If you want the, oh, yeah, we're going to have to really fight for this. And I'm, oh, oh, what if you'll get that? You'll get exactly what that is. And I just don't want that for people. When you change birth and you take, you claim birth as your womanly initiation and rite of passage, you change the whole world. My mom, Was a witness for Joffrey's birth, and she. I didn't want her there at first because she was super against it. And then met the midwife that I had.
1: And Jaws the second child, right? Oh, first. First, yeah. He's my first. Okay. After this, can we also talk about what was how the uh, is Emmanuel the second one, right? Yeah. How his process went because that's a pretty special story. That's (laughs) such a special story. Yeah, something I want the free people to hear and uh, maybe. A emphasis on the mystical, transcendental nature of all that.
0: I will, yeah. So, what I want to say about Joss birth is that my I didn't want my mom there at all. And then I had labored at. We lived in her backyard in a um in the pool house at the time, and um, I was laboring at her house for a while, and she was just being she was being my mom. She was being so sweet. She was being so sweet, and I was like, okay, you can you can stay. He can stay. I had a midwife and everything. So she was super comfortable with it. And she just sat there and brought me grapes and water and watermelon whenever I wanted it. And she saw me give birth to our son. She saw me pick. I was in a pool. She saw me pick him up out of the water and she saw him take his first breaths and she cut the cord because I was like, oh, I did it. I do it. I was like, I want Taco Bell. And I just wanted, I just wanted fat. I just wanted so much fat. And it was closed like three in the morning and everything was closed. And I was like, I'm so happy all of this is closed. Cause I don't want to press that button. Like I just felt on top of the world. And to this day, when she talks about it, she cries, she had never seen a placenta she looked at my placenta and went all up in it and was loving on it. And, um, she had never seen any of it and she didn't know how beautiful it could be. And I feel like I healed that part of her and of my lineage of this traumatic birth. And I definitely did that with Manu's birth because it was a wild and free birth. And, uh, so I didn't do any, no midwife, no tests, no ultrasounds, just talking to God and, and hearing like, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Why wouldn't it be okay? And that's the thing is like, why would something go wrong? And the so this answer- is
1: we're talking a fully unsupervised birth. Yeah. To basically the heresy of all heresies.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and the biggest thing is, why wouldn't it be okay? And the thing that comes up is, well, because I'm broken. And if you think you're broken, then you're going to have to get someone else's opinion and someone else to tell you that you're not. But if you know that you're whole and you are beautiful and you are vibrant and growing a child and you're so wonderful, then what could possibly go wrong? Like you are this vibration. And, um, so Manu was super special because the whole, the whole uh lesson of his pregnancy and birth was you just have to trust. You just have to trust me. And at some points I had a really tough time trusting because um like I had gotten this crazy ear infection and uh I had gotten sick and I didn't know what to do. And I was doing like DMSO and oregano oil and, And I was like, man, I just I got to get this figured out before I give birth because I can't give birth like this. Like, oh, this would be awful. I just can't imagine it. And I was creating this internal turmoil for myself. And um, and I didn't do much while I was pregnant with him. Like I didn't whenever I was pregnant with Jaw, I would still like work out and lift heavy things and do all that. And with Manu, I really didn't. I was kind of lazy. I was also chasing around a two year old at the time. Which isn't an excuse, I'm not giving that as an excuse because next time I'll have two babies to chase after, and i've you've got to work your body, work your mind, do yoga, do something, move, baby, you gotta move to get this baby going and to love, just love yourself and um so I had this crazy ear infection, and then we have a pull out bed in our tiny house, and I pulled it out and had this sharp pain in my Abdomen, and I was like, dude, I feel like I just got stabbed. Don't know what's going on. Uh I'm telling my birth story right now. I love this story. It's so good. Um, so uh I go to sleep and I woke up at like four in the morning and my water broke, and I was like, Oh, I'm so stoked! Like it's happening. I'm oh, I'm so excited for this. Like, I'm so stoked. And then I passed this blood clot the size of my hand and i was shooketh to my core i was like this is not normal this is not okay and i called my friend who had had a free birth uh her story is really cool i'll tell in a second hour it's absolutely wild but i called her and i was like this is not normal she was like how many babies have you had one she's like so how do you know it's normal when i was like yeah i i don't. You're right. I, you're right. She's like, why are you trying to make something bad happen? I was like, I'm not, I'm just worried. She was like, why are you so worried? I was like, I, I'm being silly. All right. I'm sorry. And so then I just labored and hung, hung around our farm and walked outside. And, uh, and then I probably around like, so that was, Four in the morning, and now it's four in the evening time, and I had passed another blood clot. And I called my friend, who was my first midwife, and I was like, Hey, this is super weird. I just don't know what's going on. And she got me in touch with another woman, and uh she's like, Oh, you're having a free birth? Like, shouldn't you just trust your intuition? And I was like, I know it's fine. I just need a second opinion. Like, someone just come here and Uh, give me a hug. Like that's what I want. And so I had another woman come and she brought a Doppler and she was like, the heartbeat's fine. What are you so worried about? And I was like, I don't know. I pulled the couch out last night and my belly hurts. She's like, oh, you probably just ripped your placenta a little bit. You're, You're fine. And that's the good thing about having a witness there for you. And it being, so it was just James and I the whole time. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And next time I would have someone else there, not someone to check me or do anything like that, but someone to go get me water and clean up after like James stayed up to like four in the morning cleaning afterwards. And then I would rather us all just cuddle in bed together. Um, And So my friend left and I was like, yeah, I've her reassurance. I, I needed that for some reason I needed that. And so Manu was born like two hours, two or three hours after she left. And it was just James and I in the bathroom. And at first, whenever I gave birth to John, I could feel him coming down. I was, it, I was like, oh, 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 I was coming up. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. And um, my midwife was like, where are you going? Where are you going? The other side of that pain is your baby. You have to go into it. The only way out is through. You have to go into it. And with Manu, I felt it, and I was like, oh, this is it. This is it. This is our baby. Like, oh, here he comes. Then James held his head. And as soon as his head popped out, he started screaming and, uh, not screaming. He was just crying. He was letting us know everything was okay. And, um, then I, I was kind of like sitting whenever his head popped out. Then I stood up, he kind of like wobbled over to the washer, sat on the washer a little bit. And I was like, all right, here he comes. And then James caught him and he was like, it's a boy. And so We didn't know anything, and I I was—I could—I—I would have put money on me having a girl. I had her name picked out and everything. I was like, "It's a girl," and he was like, "It's a boy." I was like, "Let me see, it's a boy." I was like, "Whoa, (laughs) I love you so much!" And then we sat down, and I ate some grapes, and we laid there until I gave birth to the placenta. It was so beautiful. No rush, just just so much love, and that's women need. They need that. They
1: need that. Yeah, I think many need to hear that story because for so many people, that is what you just described is as fantastic as like the Lord of the Rings or something. It's so good. It's <laughs> but how so did good. we all get here before yeah. the modern technology and modern practices, right? It would have been just like you described.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the father is such an important part of that as well. Like I really want to hit that home in this first hour too. The father holds holds the mother and is as a protection barrier and and it's just as much a witness as he is a participator in the experience. Like you both got the baby in there, you're both gonna get the baby out of there. And it's
1: actually, just, yeah, the witness of the father is Back to that idea of being a wit, well you know birthkeeper, birth witness they their ability to trust the mother is probably a huge factor on how much of the mother feels like they can trust themselves because your energies are so intertwined, yeah, I mean dang, but we're getting close to the end of the first hour, so I want you to give any closing thoughts to the people on this side of the paywall and if there is something you know, that you would want them to check out if they were interested in more info or a way to contact you or whatever type of uh, resources you'd like to give out at the, for the end of the first hour. That would be great.
0: Yeah. You can contact me. Our, uh, email is familyflyguy.net and you can send me an email through there, um, and I'm all about talking births. I also give consultations if you want to do that. You can email me about my consultations, and I can send you uh, my offerings, what I offer for you. Uh, just you got to trust yourself and know yourself. And a lot of people ask, "Well, what if my husband isn't on the same page as me?" And I'm like, you got to figure that out like way before you have a baby. Like I'm super like James and I are on the same page 100% about everything and that's how a union should be like having a birth is something otherworldly and you you got to do it you just have to do it like every woman has to do it I you don't you don't have to do it I understand there are some women that don't want to and they don't want children I, I get that Uh, but if you are in that realm of wanting to be pregnant, it's so beautiful. And don't let anyone tell you that it's not, don't let anyone tell you that if they don't support you, don't talk to them. I didn't tell anyone in my family how I was doing my second birth in pregnancy. They'd be like, do you have a midwife? Do you have all this? And I'd be like, you have to trust me. I don't want to talk to you about it because my first time I did it, you were very mean to me and I don't want to tell you. And that was my boundary. It was so beautiful. You got to have
1: those boundaries.
0: You have to, because you can't change anyone else's mind. You just have to be like, that's where you're at. And I love you. And this is where I am. And I'm going. So just trust yourself. Very
1: well said. Yeah. Wow. This has been incredible. I'm so grateful that we got to do this and we have a whole nother hour to get deeper. And, you know, Some things are just not that acceptable to discuss on the public social media platform. So we'll get into a bit of that. My intentions for the second hour would be to get into some more of the uh, nitty gritty of the pre and especially post birth experience. (laughs) You know, the things that don't get talked about that much after all the so-called crisis is over. (laughs) What happens after that that might be good to know about? Then I'm curious to talk more about the placenta afterbirth, the spiritual aspect of that being and then uh, how to talk to friends and family about the various parts of the process that need to be comprehended to reject the offers that are not healthy for you or for baby. So a lot of stuff on the table. Thank yeah. you so much, Elise. This has been great. Can't wait I to know. get into hour two. mercy. (laughs) That was like a huge, huge episode. I'm really glad that we got to have this conversation. I hope that everybody out there is feeling it too, that this is one of the more important subjects to be uh, knowledgeable about, I should say. Knowledgeable, uh, aware of, because it isn't just about doing it right if and when you have your own children. It's also about going back in time for yourself And recognizing your wholeness, you know, it's kind of like the Kurt Kallenbach stuff that were you, you know, did you come into being at the point that you were delivered in the hospital or were you, did you exist before that? So we're repairing that cut between yourself and your source in a lot of ways by getting a a more accurate perspective about the entire process of creation, right? Like this is the most powerful magic that human beings have got access to. And it's really been grappled in the modern age to make it look like, you know, to make mothers and people identify with the victimhood of, oh, it's so dangerous, it's so scary, it's so painful. And I just love how least brings unbridled confidence to the entire equation. Confidence in her own body, trusting her own body that the body, the woman knows what to do intuitively, instinctively, Right. How did we all get here before the modern age? (laughs) They'll tell you, oh, so many died in childbirth and so many died in pregnancy and everything was going wrong all the time. I don't know about that. Were you there? I don't know about that. Seems like a lot of us made it to me. And ultimately, it comes down to the trust that the wrong thing never happens and that exactly the lessons and the experiences that one needs are what one receives and in a way creates for themselves. And that's a good a good perspective on bridging the seeming divide, which is only mental and it's not real. The divide between ourself and our creator or our source or the creative intelligence of, of reality, right? The most high, the Supreme being. So big, big thanks to Elise. If anybody out there does want to work with her for, I don't think she said this in the free hour, but she wants to know that for those women who are brave and, trusting life their body and their whole process from a perspective of wholeness and they're ready to go through this and the, um, the most natural way possible that Elise is definitely ready to be there for women who would like help being led through the birth process even if that's like remotely you know some consultations some calls I think that she's got an absolute and totally astute calling to be this particular type of guide or birthkeeper or birth witness. And I'm super grateful as well to be friends with her and her husband, James, to have the blessing of meeting them and their children, the opportunity for future connection. And especially cool that James and Elise are not just guests on the interverse roster, but they have been listeners to the show for at least a year, maybe longer. I think that is really cool because about a year ago, we did this conversation with Gabriel and Cheney. I called it the Placenta Eclipse (laughs) Apocalypse because it was like around an eclipse. And if you go back into the archives and find that from October 21, there's a lot of really great information in that episode, in that conversation that ties into this one. Like we're really building off of those ideas and taking them into the world of the practical and out of the theoretical by speaking with somebody like Elise, who's really been through the process. So before I go further in the outro, I want to let you guys know what's in the second hour, that if you sign up on Rockfin or Patreon, you can get access to hour two of this conversation and the archive of all the extended shows. Support this show that you like and get more of it. It's a great deal. And in the second hour, we talked about some of the gritty nitty (laughs) <laughs> body and mind changes that occur during and post-pregnancy. You know, um, we talked about the importance of not imparting the belief of original sin and that I'm broken and you're born broken to your baby because they are very energetically sensitive. They will pick up on that type of belief in ourselves. And I think we're po- like the real metaphorical fall whenever you're not describing What the sun does, because that's the real meaning of the fall, uh, is that we have the ability to break the generational curse in the belief that we're separate from nature, that we're separate from source, that we're separate from the most high, that we're broken, that we're sinful, that we're dirty. All of these things need to be removed from the equation. And when I talk about New Age Gnosticism or pop culture Gnosticism in the highly critical way I've been over the last few weeks, especially, this is a key component that. Uh, this perspective of the world being a loose prison and all that is bringing into the equation is that like we're broken, we're born broken, the world's broken, everything's wrong, ultimate victim consciousness. And I love how in the first hour of the conversation, we got to really dispel the whole victim consciousness thing and like how, where the profit in it is, but how that profitability is an illusion compared to the true wealth of an abundance of wholeness and not being a victim. Super good. And then in the uh, second hour, we also talked about how to talk to family and friends who may be pregnant or trying to conceive about many different things. The elephant in the hospital room, a.k.a. circumcision, the uh, also standard operating procedures post birth in the hospital, such as cow pokes and vitamin shots and goops on the eyes and all that. And then we had a really deep, deep conversation about Afterbirth placenta, when or if or how to cut the cord, placentophagy, aka the consumption of placenta, why that may be beneficial. Is that a connection to the wisdom transmission from ancestors? Is this part of the great work? Is there a reason why women report feeling angry when they can consume the placenta? Is this part of the message from the ancestors? Really deep stuff. And we talked about the spiritual aspect of the, uh, the placenta as well as potentially the divine twin of the baby, the physical baby. And there's way more than that in hour two, but I just wanted to give you a taste and I hope you get in there and enjoy it and take this information to heart and you're able to teach it and share it with others and most importantly, live the example. There's a lot of things that I thought about during the conversation that I just couldn't fit in because I didn't want to interrupt her flow state, but why this obsession with the C-section? Why are the hospitals always setting you up and preparing everything every step of the way for the possibility and inviting in the seeming, you know, the projected necessity of the C-section? Well, it's called a cesarean section because it's named after Caesar, who was supposedly born from the side of his mother, which is what the C-section is. They cut her open and take the baby out. But why is this practice named after Caesar? Where does this practice come from? It's really wild, but it's like, to me, I think it's an externalization, uh, an exoteric explanation of something that happens in the sky clock. Because guess what? On December 25th, when the sun is born again, when it rises from the Southern Cross after it's been dead in the wintertime, as in, you know, going lower and lower into the underworld, less and less light. And then it pauses the solstice, the soul ice three days dead on the cross, the Southern cross. And then when it rises up again on the, on the last day of the solstice, 25th of December, it is coming out of Virgo, uh, Virgo, (laughs) Virgo, the Virgin, the mother. She is on the ascendant when the sun rises at that time, December 25th. And so that's the sun being born out of the side of the Virgin And I could have got that astrotheology wrong. I'm pretty sure that's what happens in the stars, though. And I know for sure the idea of the C-section is coming from that astrotheology and that even Caesar and probably the 12 emperors of Rome, all of them are probably astrotheology metaphors and not even literal historical people. Or if they are historical people, their history has been euhermismed, which is when you apply mythology to history and treat it as history to a person's life and you add all this mythological component. So I think that's probably where the cult of the medics got the idea for the C section being so like holy, so holy, <laughs> so important because that's the way that it happens in the stars but like obviously the people working in the hospital don't know that very few people know that even though it's written up there in the sky clock every year at the same time at the winter solstice. And I also really love How Elise gets into this, you know, and I'm sure she could talk more about it. I could listen endlessly about this idea of crossing over the veil between life and death to pull the baby directly from the source realm, the pre-birth, post-death realm, same place. And in that way, it's really cool because the the living mother becomes the embodiment of the Trinity, of the Pistis Sophia. The Eve, who in the Gnostic creation mythology, which is not to be taken literally, but as a metaphor, Eve has this whole speech about she is her own father and she is her own child, that she's all three. And so in a way, if the mother is able to transcend and go deep within and not be distracted by all the hospital lights and all the, are you okay? Are you okay? And all the offers to be afraid. And she can just go through the pain portal and into the absolute. In a way, she's like there with the, quote, father, which is the source, which is also a mother. It's not gendered. And she's there with the baby, the spirit of the baby, to ferry it across to the other side, performing that mercury role. And so on that, in that realm of the absolute, where the mother goes to get the baby, she actually is merging with and connecting with the father in the sense of the universal father, the all, and with the spirit of baby to carry it across, you know, in that moment, the mother is the father is the son. To me, that's like completely beautiful. It shows you the, shows you the three, the three become one aspect that actually happens in nature and happens in consciousness. There's an experiential thing that mother can have. And Can you imagine how much stronger a person is after knowing that death isn't the end and that there's this realm of wholeness that you're always connected to and you have access to and it's within you and it is you? I love that so much. So yeah, other things that I would have liked to talk to her about maybe in the future or somebody else that knows a lot about this would be the whole idea of registering the baby birth certificate with the government. Like, do we do that? Do we not do that? How does that work? I know Gardner didn't do that with his daughter, and he had some interesting thoughts about it on a recent Vibrant that I had him on with LC King as a cool tangent. So I'd love to discuss that more, the legal side, legal sorcery. <laughs> I brought this up in, um, I brought this up in the plus hour, but. To me, it's really interesting how Unum Sanctum, which is the papal bull that decrees that the Vatican is the only salvation for all the souls of the dirty sinners of the human race. Unum, I didn't realize until this conversation, but Unum is Manu backwards. And Manu is like Adam. is like the first three-in-one trinity. It's an Indian thing. It's where you get like Manichaeism. Then they created the idea of Christ as a concept and... <laughs> For a symbol for the sun so that was a cool synchromistic weave that you can hear me expand on more in the second hour, Manu and Unum, I hope you heard about that, I I hope you heard that Gabriel I feel like that's going to set off explosions in your mind for our resident slick dissident but yeah, by the time this is coming out, my goal is to set this up to come out uh, on the Sunday while I'm at Music and Sky so I might not be there with you in the live chat for this premiere but I'm with you in spirit, and I'm having a great time out in California, and uh, you won't hear me go on about, like, come to Music and Sky anymore after this. You might hear me talk about how great it was for a while, but, uh, you know, the time is finally here. I'm so excited about that. It's going to be great. It is going great right now in the present when you're hearing this. I'm there now. <laughs> so uh thanks for tuning in, and I'm going to, oh, yeah. Let's get you on the schedule for sound healing. One of the cool things about the biofield tuning process is it can get to the root of people's birth trauma. That's actually something that can be found in the biofield and assisted with because we all know that we have probably experienced some birth trauma. But maybe the difficulty in, in integrating that is knowing like what the trauma felt like for baby because we all might experience it differently in some capacity. So getting to the root cause of like, well, what emotional tone did that set for you? Cause it might not be the same from individual to individual. And I brought up in the intro to this conversation how we actually did that with a recent client, not the birth trauma per se, but like the mother's postpartum de- depression setting a certain tone for the for their life uh, from the point when they were a baby. So biofield tuning, powerful, powerful stuff to help you communicate your own needs back to yourself so you can see what fear and what pain to go through. To come out the other side to wholeness, because we got to go through. The way out is through. Also, you can do oracle card readings. I do tarot and I Ching. You know, hit me up, Chance at the Interverse Podcast.com. Get into my audiobooks, July's End, Spirit World, July's End by Dylan Sokosio, or Lindsay's book, The uh, Sign Curve of Aeons, great novel. A lot of ways to support the show, including also getting some Clive DeCarl supplements. So, all the links to the ways to support are going to be in the notes. Description of this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Love you guys very much. I'm gonna play us out with a track by my buddy Brady, aka Flintwick, and this one's called "Thickle Bumper." <laughs> I love this guy. "Thickle Bumper" feels feels appropriate because at least brought up being a festy kid. So, like, how about some squanchy weird experimental bass music? So, here we go. Hope you enjoy the outro music by Flintwick. Show notes. I've got all the links to everything. And I hope you guys are doing well out there. I love you and know your source, know yourself, know your wholeness, know that you can do it. Your body already knows how, whatever it is you're trying to do, your body already knows how countless generations of ancestors have already done it. Nothing new under the sun. So yeah, much love. Bye bye guys. Talk to you soon.